Yo, what up? Welcome back to Babylon Talmud. Today we're studying Daf Chaf uh, Aleph, Daf 21 of Masechta Yoma. Uh, the Daf today really talks about different miracles that happen in the Beis HaMikdash, which uh, I find to be interesting. I hope you will as well. And with this, we complete the first parak of Masechta Yoma after 21 Daf. So it's very cool. Let us get started. We're going to be starting on Daf Chaf Amud Beis, about three lines from the bottom. You know, we're shtickle in the middle. Remember, yesterday at the end of the daf, we had a machlokas between Rav and Rab Shila about what's kros hagever. Is kros hagever, does that mean when a person would call out in the morning? Um, somebody like um, Gvini Karuz, somebody in the Beis HaMikdash who would say, okay, Kohanim, Levim, Yisraelim, it's time to, to do your service. Or is it a reference to uh, roosters, when the rooster would um, call out in the morning? So what's Kros HaGeber? So, with, so we're in sort of the middle of that. We were bringing a proof for um, Rav. And in a minute, we're going to bring a proof for Rib Shila to say that it's a rooster. So three lines from the bottom of Chof Amud Beis, Tanur The rabbis, Take, taught. Shalosh Kolosh, Kolos, Holchin, Misof, Olam, Bad, Sofo. There are three voices that go from one end of the world to the other. And these are the three voices. Kol Galgal, Chama. The sound of the sun, I guess, moving in the constellations. Bukola Amona shall Romi, and the sounds of the multitudes of Rome. and the sound of the soul when it departs the body. Afleda, those who say even the sounds of childbirth can be heard from one end of the world to the other. Afridia, those who say even the minister who is in charge of uh, providing water to the world, whether that's the water from the heavens, whether it's the water from the depths of the earth. As Rashi points out, as the Pasuk says, Tohom, Tohom, Kore, El Kol, Tzinorecho, that from one depth to the other depth they call out. Um, and the rabbis prayed, they, 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 um, they asked for mercy that when the soul leaves a person's body, it should not be heard from one end of the earth to the other. Uh, I guess that would be not very fun. So they mavato that sound um, from one end of the world to the other. Now, we get to a bryce that supports Rabshila. Rabshila says that cross together means when the uh, uh, rooster cock-a-doodle-doos. Is there a better word for cock-a-doodle-doo? I don't know, what else is there to say? When the rooster, I don't know, cock-a-doodle-doos, I guess. So, somebody who's traveling, call him Kriyasagever. If he's traveling before Kriyasagever, now it's not talking about Gvini Karuz in the base of Mikdash, it's talking about before uh, the rooster, cock-a-doodle-doos. So his blood is on his head. I feel like we've seen this somewhere, but I, I don't see it quoted anywhere, so I don't know where, but I feel like we've seen this. Rabbi Yoshia, Omer says, Rabbi Yoshia, says Rabbi Yoshia, but he would have to do this at least twice, not just necessarily the first time. To those who say, even even he would have to do this three times. All right. So now, fine. So, and if we're going to say that Krosagever is a reference to a rooster, so which, what kind of a rooster? A big rooster, a little rooster, what kind of rooster? A middle-sized rooster. Alright, so sounds good. As Rashi says, doesn't cock-a-doodle-doo too early, doesn't cock-a-doodle-doo too late. Right in the middle.
Okay, Chavin, now we're starting to transition into the miracles of the Beis HaMikdash. Amar um, Yehuda, Amar um, maybe you've heard this before. Bishash Yisrael, Odin Laregel, when the Yidin would come to, uh, to Yerushalayim for the, for the Shalash Rugalim, Omdin Tzvufin, Umshtachvim Revachim. They would stand packed like sardines, but when it would come da- time to bow and to pray, they would mamish, everybody would have four amas of space around them. Plenty of room. And there were so many people that they were even filling up the 11 Amis that is behind the base Kodesh HaKodoshim, behind the Kodesh HaKodoshim and the walls of the Azara. My Ka'amar, so the Gemara says, what do you mean? Meaning, if there was a miracle that was happening, that there was so much room, even though there were so many people, then why would they have to cram into the space also behind the Kodesh HaKodashim, why not just fit everybody into the Ezra Yisrael and if there's going to be a miracle, there'll be a miracle. So Achikam, this is what it's saying, even though when everybody packs into the Azara before they bow down and before they start to davening, there's so many people there that the mom is packed and they have to fill up even the space behind the Kodesh Kodashim, but nonetheless, when it comes time to bow down, at that point, as Rashi says, everyone, everyone is then kind of in the eastern part of the Azara, where, you know, in the Ezra Yisrael, meaning even though at the, initially, before they start to pray, so there's so many people that they're just, that, that they're everywhere, even behind the Kodesh Kodashim, when it comes time to pray, all of a sudden there's enough room for everybody in the Ezra Yisrael, everybody has room to, to, to bow down, as Rashi points out, they even have room just like to daven, that nobody should have, you shouldn't have to hear what the person next to you is, is davening for. Plenty of room. Interesting. And this is one of ten miracles that happened in the temple. The Tanan, as we learn in the Mishnah, there were ten miracles that happened in the temple. A woman never miscarried because the, uh, on account of the uh, meat of the offering sounding so gishmak, not sounding, smelling so gishmak that the, that, that the smell would be overwhelming, um, and cause her to miscarry, that never happened. Additionally, the meat of hekdish never, um, right, never went rancid. Even though there was a lot of a slaughter happening in the Azara. There was never even once a fly. Very interesting. The Kayin Gadol Taka never saw carry on Yom Kippur, meaning we've spent so much time so far of Mesechta Yoma discussing how the Kayin Gadol quarantines because we want to make sure that uh, it doesn't become possible. We set up the backup Kayin Gadol just in case. The Maisa never happened, which is very interesting. He never became possible. Um, okay, and it's kind of like what the Chachamim were saying also, right, with the backup, that Kilu, the Kohanim are his reason. The Kohanim doesn't really need a backup, like he's not going to become a Balkari. The backup was only just to even motivate him even more to make sure that he's not going to become a Kari because he doesn't want the backup to have to take over. But so the say, you know, it never happened that the Kohanim became Postla and Erevim Kippur. There was never um, an issue, a psul found with the korban omer that they would bring on the second day of Pesach or with the shtei that they would offer on Shavuos 
nor with the lechem haponim. I, I think that we talk asked the kasha in the shkalim about what happens if the lechem haponim is possible for whatever reason. Can you just leave the same bread there for uh, you know from one week to the next? But anyways, apparently it never happened that there actually was a psul with the korban omer or with the shtei lechem or with the lechem haponim. Of course, as we learned a few minutes ago, that even though everybody was packed like sardines uh, during the Shalosh Rugalim, there would be plenty of room to bow down. And nobody was ever hurt by a snake or a scorpion in Jerusalem, ever. And finally, Nobody ever said to somebody else, I don't know where I'm going to sleep in Yerushalayim. I don't know where I'm going to eat in Yerushalayim. Everything was always taken care of. Everybody always had everything that they needed in Yerushalayim. Wow. We started off talking about the temple and we concluded talking about Jerusalem. We said that we're about to list 10 miracles that happened in the temple. And the last two of them are not about the temple. They're about Jerusalem. Nobody ever got bitten by a snake or a scorpion. Everyone always had a place to eat and a place to sleep. So, there are two other things that you can add to the base of Mikdash. So, even if you remove the last two from the list, there are another two things that you can replace them with, referring to miracles that happened in the temple. The Tanya, as we learn in the the rain. Right, the fire of the of the mizbeach was never extinguished by the rain, even though it was in an you know it was it was it was a open open uh, roof or whatever. But nonetheless, the the um, rain never extinguished the fire from the mizbeach. The ashen and the fire of the 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 smoke from the mizbeach. I feel call that ruches shebaolam in Mazizos, also Mimikomo, and the smoke coming from the Mizbeach, um, even if all the winds of the world would come and blow this way and that way, the, they would be unsuccessful. They would not be able to um, move the uh, pillar of smoke emanating from the Mizbeach. Mesuleka, but that's it. There's no other miracles that happen in the temple. What about the following b'risa? Reb Shmaya Mikolnevo. Reb Shmaya Mikolnevo taught. Shivrei Klecheres Nivloin Vimkoma. Additionally, the broken shards of pottery would just be absorbed in their place. What this means is that they would cook the meat of the korbanos, of the kodshim, in, in Klecheres, in earthenware pots. Now Klecheres, earthenware is going to absorb the, the flavors, is going to absorb the meat. Now, if you, let's say you have a korban chatas, korban chatas can be eaten for that day and the following night. By the next day, it's already no sir. Now, if you have this vessel that the korban chatas was cooked in, so by the next day, whatever was absorbed in the vessel is already no sir, and you have to break the vessel. So they were always, so they were always breaking these klecheres, these earthenware vessels. But if you break the earthenware vessels, where does it go? So it was a miracle and it was just absorbed in its place that they would just take the, earthenware vessels and pile them up and instead of like a huge graveyard of earthenware vessels uh, they would get absorbed in their place. And additionally Abai says The Mura and the Notza, the crop 
uh, I think it's like the intestines of, of a bird as well as its feathers. These are parts of the bird that were not offered, uh, that were not put on the Mizbeach um, as part of an Ola Sa'of, when you would take a uh, bird and offer it as a Korban Ola. So the, the, this, these, in, this inner parts of the bird and its feathers were not put on the Mizbeach. And Vedishun Mizbeach Apnimi, as well as when they would remove the ashes from the inner, um, um, Mizbeach, the Mizbeach Aktores, Vedishun Amenorah, as well as when they would clear out the, the, the menorah every morning, the Atavas Aneris, Nivloin Bimkoman, all of these things would also just be absorbed in their place. So, I believe that they would put it in the Mekoma Deshen, right next to the ramp of the Mizbeach, and just over there it would get absorbed. So, what do we see? So, we see that there's more miracles. There's the miracles of the Klecheres and these different, um, uh, the, the, the parts of the Ola Sa'of, and the Dishim Mizbeach Apnimi, and the Hatava Saneris. All these things were just miraculously absorbed in their place. That's a miracle. So the Gemara answers, "Psulei Tlosa Abu Chashvinu Bechat Apik Trei Va'ayel Trei." So we had mentioned earlier that the Omer Shteyalechem and Lechem Aponim, none of them ever became apostles. So we treated those as three separate miracles. Consolidate those into one, in which case you have an additional two to work with, and then so replace, so swap in these two, i.e., the Klecheres, as well as all these other. Um, you know, the Hatavasaneros, Tishimizbechapnimi, Mura, Notza. So those things also, so consider those as two separate things. The Klecheres as one thing, as well as all these other things that they would be absorbed next to the ramp of the Mizbeach. And swap, you know, replace those. Okay, so now we have 10. So we consolidated the, those bread ones and then replaced them with the pottery and these other things. Well, one second. Why should we treat the the clay as well as the um, you know these uh, these things as two? Why don't we consolidate all of those as like absorbing miracles? In which case, we have one. Um, uh, we we have to we we got to look for one more miracle. So you can say, don't worry, there is another miracle. That says Rabbi Shubin Levi, there was a big miracle that happened with the lechem aponim, siluko kasiduro, that they would remove it in the same manner that they would put it there in the first place while it was warm. Shneemai, as the Pasuk says, lasum lechem chom, biomilakho, to place warm bread on the day that it is taken, meaning they would place um, warm lechem aponim bread on the shulchan on Shabbos, and the next Shabbos they would remove it and it would still be warm. So we see that, okay, we, you know, we still, we have 10 miracles that happen in the temple. Vasuleka, there's no more than 10. Ve'om Reb Levi. But Reb Levi said, We have the following tradition. from our fathers. That the Aron didn't take up any place. Super interesting. That the Kodesh HaKodashim was 20 Amas by 20 Amas. Right? Which means that if you go to the point smack in the middle of the Kodesh HaKodashim, there's 10 Amos on this side, 10 Amos on that side, in, in, in all directions. Now it says that the Aron was in the Kodesh HaKodashim, of course, and there was 10 Amos of space on all sides. Well, how could, how, how could that be? Kilu, assuming that the, that the Aron is taking up some space, well then there's going to be less than 10 Amos in all directions. 
because it's only a total of 20 amos by 20 amos. Rather, the crazy thing is that the Arun didn't actually take up any space miraculously. And even though the Kodesh uh, was 20 amos by 20 amos, which means that if you have like a, you know, a point smack in the middle of the Kodesh HaKadoshim, so from there, there would be 10 amos in all directions. Then if you add the Arun, then that's going to be minimizing that space, but it somehow it didn't. The Amar Ravnoi, and says Ravnoi, Amar Shmuel, Kruvim B'nei Sayu Omdin. Also the Kruvim, there were these Kruvim that Shlomo Melech made that also, their wings, right? Each each one of the Kruvim had two wings. Each wings each wing was five Amas, which means a total of 20 Amas, which means that there would be no room for their bodies. And nonetheless, um, somehow there was space for them in the Kodesh Kodashim. So again, another miracle that they weren't taking up any space. So we see that there are these additional miracles regarding you know, the, the, the Aaron and the crew not taking up any space in the Kodesh Kodashim. So the Gemara answers, Nisei divroi kachashiv, nisi digavoi lo kachashiv. So the Gemara answers, well, what we're listing is visible, um, uh, miracles, right? Things that people experienced, things that people saw. But, um, something that's happening in the Kodesh Kodashim that people aren't going to see, so we're not listing those. Iachi, if that's the case, lechem aponim nami, nisi digavoi, who? But one second, the lechem aponim, the fact that it was warm a week later, I don't experience that, right? That's not something that everybody experiences. Only koanim in the, you know, in the Azara on Shabbos experience it. So how come we're listening to those? Those aren't exactly public. You know, it's not like, for example, saying that, um, that, uh, I don't know, the meat of Kachim never went bad. Everybody can experience that. I don't know, you bring a Korban and it never goes bad. But, um, the, the, the lechem upon him isn't necessarily something that everybody's going to experience. So, lechem upon him nise divrayu. So, the way is actually, the lechem upon him you can consider to be an external, sort of publicly facing miracle. How come? The Amr Rishlakish. Rishlakish says, my What does it mean that you would place the bread on the whole, uh, on the uh, pure shulchan, on the pure table? What does it mean, the pure table? Implying that it, it's, it's possible for the shulchan uh, 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 to become tamei. But one second. The shulchan is, is, a, is, a, is a wood, is a vessel made out of wood. It was covered in gold, but it was made out of wood. And um, it stays in one place. It's a kliyetza asu linachas. It's a wooden vessel that's made in one place. And as we learned, I believe in Masech the Shabbos, the concept that we compare Clay eights to sack, to, to sacks. And just like a sack is something that's movable. So clay eights, in order for it to be mkabotum, has to be movable. This table, you don't move. And therefore, um, why should it be susceptible to tumas? What does it mean that you're going to put it on the tahor table? Implying that it can become tummy? It can't become tummy. It's a clay eights also in the It's a wooden vessel that you keep in its place. You put it there and you leave it there. It's furniture. Any, uh, wooden vessel that you, you just put in one place. It doesn't receive tumah, it's not susceptible to receiving tumah, and it can make a chatzitza um, between tumahs. I assume what it means is that if you have like a dead body, so the tumah of the dead body goes up to the, to the heavens, but I guess if you have a, if you have a wooden furniture there, so it'll, it'll make a chatzitza. Okay? So, rather, says Rishlakish, what does it mean? What it means is that when all of the Yidin will come to Jerusalem for the festivals, they talk a wood, move the 
shulchan, and they would pick up the shulchan and they would and they would show it to the, all the people, the holiday pilgrims, the omrim loim, and they would say to them, Come and see how beloved you are to God. That look, check out these breads. It's one week later, and they are still warm. Um, some of this was happening during the week, but uh, okay. Shenema, as the pasuk says, "Lasum lechem chom biomilakho." As the pasuk says, to place warm bread on the day that it is taken. So we see that the um, shulchan actually was moved at the time of the shalosh ugalim. So therefore, it is that's why we can consider it to be susceptible to tuma. Fine. So um, and therefore, also we see that it was displayed. Publicly, so it wasn't necessarily an internal um, miracle. It, it was something that was ex- experienced publicly. The Suleka, the Gemara, that's it. There's no more miracles. The Amr of Oshaya, said of Oshaya, Bishashabana Shloma, Beis Amikdash, at the time that Shlomo Melech built the first temple, he planted all sorts of trees of like, um, uh, very scrumptious delectables like grapes and things like that out of gold. So there would be like a golden grapevine. And they would always um, produce their fruit at the proper time. And when the wind would, would, would blow on these golden fruits, the, the fruits would fall and there would be food to eat. Shinemar's the Pasuk says Yirash Kalavonun Piryo that its fruits will make noise like the Lebanon as in Ahara Tovazev Alavanon, right? A, a, a reference to the Besamikdash. And when the uh, Gentiles came into the Heichal, Yavesh, these uh, fruits dried out. Shinemar's the Pasuk says Uferach Levanon Umla. And the flower of the Lebanon of the Besamikdash was very distraught. But in the future, God is going to bring back these golden um, fruits. Shenemar, the puzzle says, that you will flower and you will rejoice. Avgilas and you will be very happy. that the honor of the Lebanon is given back to it. So new. So there was this miracle of the golden fruits that the. That there were the golden fruit vines, and they would always make the pro- their fruit properly, and that whole thing. So, what about that? So the Gemara says, "Nisei tikvie loka chashiv." So the Gemara says, "We're not mentioning um, the the these miracles that were there every time, all, you know, all the time, right? The, this grapevine was always there, right? And we're we're mentioning things that." You know, for example, that the wind would never blow away the smoke. That's only when there was wind. That wasn't like a, a constant thing, you know, or that, uh, uh, you know, a, I don't know, a woman wouldn't miscarry or something. I guess that wasn't necessarily something that was like constant. That's something, it, it happens from time to time. So, so, but things that were like always in the base of Mikdash, like this fruit vine, so we don't, uh, we're not listening there. So So once now you've said that we're not mentioning um, uh, miracles that were there kavua all the time. Well, Arun v'kruvim nami nisei dekviye ninu. So when you mentioned earlier that um, the Arun and the kruvim they didn't take up any space 
And, you know, therefore, you know, that, right, that, and why don't we list that miracle? So he said, well, because it was an internal miracle. So you can actually answer that also by saying that that was a Nise de Kviya. That was something that was there all the time. They never took up any space. And that's why, and we're not listing those either. We said earlier, we said that one of the miracles was that the smoke of the, of the fire of the altar of the Mizbeach never swayed in the wind. But was there Bichlal smoke on the altar? We learn in the Baisa, there are five things that were said about the fire of the Mizbeach. Rivutza Ka'ari, it was crouched like a lion. Uvara Kachama, it was as clear as the sun. Be'ej Bamamish, and it has, it had like physical substance to it. Vochelaslachin Kiveshin, and it would be able to consume moist as well as dry. Be'ena Maila, Oshon, and it wouldn't have any smoke. So we see that the fire of the Mizbeach didn't have any smoke. So what do you mean that the smoke from the fire of the Mizbeach never moved anywhere? So kikaminon kilo didn't blow in the wind. Kikaminon be dehedit. Well, when we say that the smoke of the mizbeach didn't blow in any direction, it's talking about the regular fire. What does that mean? The Tanis we learn in the Brisa of Anosnu bnei Aharon Aquanim Eishal Mizbeach that it says that the children of Aharon would put fire on the mizbeach. Afopisha eshiyoredes min hashemaim mitzvah lahavim in a hedit. Even though there was a fire, there was the Eish Tamid. There was the fire on the mizbeach that would come down from the heavens, but nonetheless, we would also put our own just regular fire on the Mizbeach as well, um, so that it would be as if, you know, sort of we were kind of, you know, it was just a regular fire, but the fact of the matter is that there was a fire coming down from heaven. So, so that fire that we produced sort of as the, as the, uh, as the side show, so that produced smoke. And the wind would not blow that smoke anywhere. Rivutza Ka'ari, we said, we said that, the, we just said that the, one of the, um, uh, characteristics of the fire of the Mizbech is that it crouched like a lion. Ve'atani, but we learn in Abraham, so Amram Chaninis Kana Ke'anim, Ani Re'isiya Ve'revutza Ke'kelev, says of Chaninis Kana Ke'anim that I saw this fire on the Mizbech and it was crouched like a dog, not like a lion. So, the answer is, it depends which temple. The first temple, so the fire was taka crouched like a lion. In the second temple, it was crouched like a dog. But one second, was there bichlal, any of this special fire from God in the second temple? What does the Pesach say? No. Well, the Pesach is read that I will be appeased by it. That It's a reference to the second temple. That God says I will be appeased by the second temple and I will be honored. But the thing is, it says right? It's written without uh, the letter hey. But we read it as if there was a hey at the end. So how come it's written without the letter hey? Because it's a reference to It's a reference to the five differences between the first temple and the second temple. Here are the five differences. That in the second temple, right, this is all one of the five. That in the second temple there was no Aron, 
and the lid of the Aron and the Kruvim that were on the lid of the Aron, none of that was there in the second temple. Eish, there was no special fire in the second temple. Ushchina, there was no divine presence in the second temple. Ruach HaKodesh, there was also no, um, I guess, prophecy in the second temple, as we learned the other day, the Urim Vitumim, and also the special Urim Vitumim that the um, Kohen Gadol wore in his Choshen, those were not present in the second temple either. So, how, so new, so back to our question. On the one end, we said that the fire of the Mizbech was crouched like a lion. Rabchinina Skanakwanim said he saw it and it was crouched like a dog. So we say, okay, it was like a lion in the first temple, like a dog in the second temple. But I thought there was no fire Bichlal in the second temple. That was one of the five differences between the first temple and the second temple. So Amri, the answer, in Mahavahava Sayuilo Misayeya, that there was a uh, special fire in the second temple. However, it did not, um, there was this fire, but it didn't actually assist with burning the Korbanas. It was there, but, but not much more than simply being there. And it was crouched like a dog. It wasn't exactly like in the first temple where it was crouched like a lion and it burned the, all the meat and you just had a regular fire next to it just to make it as if we were supplying fire. But the fact of the matter is that the fire of God was doing everything. In the second temple, it was kind of the other way around. There was a fire of God there, but it, you know, it, it, that was just being Yotze. The, the fact of the matter is that all the heavy work was being done by the fire that we supplied. Tanur Rabbanu, the rabbis taught, Sheish Eisho saying there are six types of fires. Yesh Ocheles Veinashosa, there's a fire that consumes but does not drink. Veishosa Veinocheles, there's a fire that drinks but does not consume, that does not eat. Veish Ocheles Veishosa, there are those that um, eat and drink. There's a fire that eats moist, that consumes moist, as well as dry fuel. There's fire that pushes off other fire. And there's fire that consumes other fire. We're now going to list, going to explain what these, where, you know, what exactly are these six fires. So, so the first one that we mentioned was a fire that eats but does not drink. Hadidon. So that's like a regular fire. It consumes fuel. It doesn't drink anything. Shosevein Ocheles. What's a fire that drinks but does not consume? Decholen. That is the fire of a sick, a sick person. A person has a fever. So he's kind of dehydrated and dried out. So the, the fever, the fire is like consuming his, his fluid. However... Uh, it, it doesn't consume him. He's not burnt up by the fire, just like uh, he's dehydrated. Ocheles vishosa. What is a fire that eats and drinks? Deliau. It's like Eliyahu when he was on Har Carmel and his fire consumed his korban. That the water that was on uh, the pyre, it, it uh, burnt. So not just the uh, animal, not just the korban, but also the water. A fire that consumes moist as well as um, dry. That is the fire of the Mizbeach. There is fire that pushes off other fire. That is what we learned about on that Kufyud Ches of Mesechta Psachim and Arve Psachim. The amazing story, as we said, right? I think it was in the Apostle of Kigavar Alenu Chazdo, Ve'emes Hashem La'olam, that. Um, Gavriel 
went down and the Gavriel was the Sar Ha'esh, the minister of fire, and he went down to Hanani Mishal of Azariah to save them from fire, and he went and pushed away the fire and burnt all the other people. So that was an example of fire, i.e. Gavriel, the minister of fire, pushing off the fire that was meant to consume Hanani Mishal of Azariah, and there's a fire that consumes fire, Deshchina, that is a reference to the divine presence. As we said, that God put his finger among them and burnt them. That was a reference to the uh, angels who were complaining by the Sheshes and Mebreshes when they said, Why should man be remembered? And God simply burned them. So that was fire consuming fire. So we had said earlier that one of the ten miracles is that if the all of the winds in the world came and tried to blow away the smoke from the from the mizbeach, it, the, the winds would be unable to make the smoke budge. That on the last day, the, the right the um, the night following the last day of the Yomtiv of Sukkot, everyone's eyes would be fixed on the smoke coming from the mizbeach. Note the If there was a southern wind blowing, and it was blowing the smoke to the north, aniim smechin. The poor people were happy and the wealthy people were sad because because that means that that year there's going to be lots and lots of rain and it was going to spoil the fruits, right? They were going to um, rot. They wouldn't be able to be preserved very well and therefore it means that there was going to be high supply which means that, you know, because people are going to have to get rid of the fruits before they rot, they're not going to store well, and it means that there will be a lot available for the poor people. Klape Darim, however, if there's a northern wind blowing towards the south, then the poor people are sad, and the uh, wealthy people, and the, and the homeowners are happy, because there isn't going to be too much rain that year, and the fruits are going to preserve well, so the the, the homeowners are very happy because they're going to have plenty of food. The poor people are sad because they're going to have less available to them. If the uh, if there was a western wind blowing towards the east, so everybody was happy. If there was an eastern wind blowing towards the west, everybody was sad. So how could we be saying that even if all the winds in the world blew? the smoke from the Mizbeach, they wouldn't budge. But I thought that specifically everybody's eyes would be fixed on the smoke of the Mizbeach to see which direction they would blow in so that they would be able to tell what kind of year it was going to be and what they can expect in terms of their yield. So the Gemara answers, So the Gemara answers, yes, the smoke would go in different directions but it wouldn't scatter so either the wind would blow so if the wind was blowing let's say in the south and uh, and the smoke was blowing towards the north it would blow in a in one column it wouldn't you know scatter all over the place that 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 was a miracle so not that it didn't move at all it would go in different directions however all in one sort of column it would never sort of just uh, dissolve and break away Omar Ma, we said so we said that if there's a western wind blowing 
towards the east, everybody is happy. If there was a uh, eastern wind blowing towards the west, everyone is sad. We have a kasha, that the eastern wind, i.e. the wind from the east that blows towards the west, the olam yafe is taka very good. But a western wind that blows towards the east is always taka bad, which is the opposite from what we just said. If, if there's a wind coming from the north, it's good for wheat, if they are already a third of their growth. And it's bad for olives, when they're very young. If you have a wind coming from the south, is taka very bad for the wheat, if they're already a third of their growth. But the taka good for olives, when they're very young. And you can remember which is which from the fact that the Shulchan was in the north and the menorah was in the south. The Shulchan, you put wheat bread on there. So that was um, a reference to the wheat, the north wind being good for the wheat when it's a third. And the uh, menorah, which had olive oil, was in the south, so the southern wind is good for those um, olives, okay? Haim Rabadideh, Baim Rabadideh, right? The, 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 the uh, Shulchan, which was in the north, was good for its thing, for uh, bre- uh, wheat, and the menorah, which was in the south, was good for its thing, i.e. the olives. Lokasha halon valuhu. So what do we do with the fact that we have one, uh, you know, in one place we're saying that the eastern wind was, uh, I mean, whatever, one way it's good, one way it's bad, but initially we said that the, the wind coming from the east Towards the, west was no, towards the west was no good. Um, the wind coming from the west towards the east was taka good. But then we taka said the opposite. It depends if it's in Eretz Yisrael or Bavel. Eretz Yisrael, which is a drier place, so the east, the eastern wind, which is a drier wind, is taka not very good. But in Bavel, which is much more moist, because there's a lot more rain and a lot more water, so then taka the eastern wind, which is a drier wind, is taka okay. Well, Hajun Oloch Shivas Yomim, we'll come back to you seven days. Very interesting. What do you guys think? I, I, I think the first parak of Masech Yomu was taka very interesting, right? Of course. So t- uh, today's daf really daf chafalif really discussed uh, a whole bunch of miracles that happened in the in the in the in the in the Beis Hamikdash. These ten miracles, and along the way, we 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 mentioned other miracles that may or may not have been included in the ten, but are nonetheless interesting. Um, I hope you enjoyed daf chafalif. Enjoy your day. Cheers.